tell the story right off the top. Um, but I met Nate last year in, uh, in July in a place of Reddit, California. God just highlighted him to me, and I had to go meet him. And, uh, and I just said, who's that guy? And he's a great friend of Ben and Havla Cunnington, which we had Havla last year. And they're great friends. And I said to Ben, who's that guy? I feel like I need to meet him. And he goes, no way. I was just telling him about you and about Canada. And I was like, okay, I want to meet him now. Who is he? He wouldn't tell me, and so we just had to go and meet. And uh, Nate is a pastor of a church called The Stirring in Redding, California. Uh, it's, a, it's a church of about 1,500. Uh, they're in their eighth year, I believe, eighth year. And uh, he planted it with a team. And just, uh, we started talking, and our hearts just knit. We went out for lunch, and uh, he was there um, from the USA. We were there from Canada, Ryan, Dean, and I. And then these Mexican guys from Guadalajara, Mexico, showed up. So it was like NAFTA in the making, you know, at lunch. But um, anyways, we just, our hearts connected. And there's not many times that I've been in meetings where you just feel God and you know this is a God or a uh, relationship, friendship. We have stayed in touch. We've just, um, just talked from vision and ministry and all that's going on. It's just like our, we can tell, like our communities, what he's doing at the stirring in here, there's just something about cities and reaching the city and the nation. And he carries it. Um, his great grandfather, great great grandfather, great grandfather, great grandfather, uh, started Hope Mission in Edmonton. And so we were there today to see the legacy of that. And so there's real ties to this area. He might explain a little more about that. But I just want you to give a really warm welcome to Nathan Edmondson. Just start talking about you to other people. And then they shoot you a text and say, well, the Lord just said this. 
And it's like, well, it's just, why didn't God just tell me? It's because he loves to talk about you know, other people. So God's been talking about Canada to Brazilians in Florida. That's just God. God's in Florida. He's like hanging out in Florida. He's like, I just love Canada. I have to Canada. And I just want Marcelo. His name's Marcelo. So he's just talking about Canada to Marcelo. He shoots me a text. So I get this text, and I'm just thinking, like, wow, this is crazy. I shoot that text back to him. And uh, I, I said, hey, listen, you should know that like, my whole family's from Canada. You know, I, I've been telling people for 37 years I'm half Canadian. <laughs> because my whole family's from Canada, generations from Canada. And, uh, and so I, I just told myself, my whole family, my uncle's the president of, of our global family in Canada. And um, both grandpas were, were pastors from Canada, my great-grandpa and grandma. You know, planted a mission in Canada, and I just and I told him I said God's been talking to me about Canada too. So and then I get this text from this guy in Florida, and so I'm like, Have you ever like you get a word from the Lord and you're like, Man, this feels like God, but I'm not sure how it's going to happen. Have you ever heard that like the Lord? You're like, Man, I feel the Lord in this, but I, I don't know how He's He's talking about me and there. But I'm not sure how He's going to get me there. You ever had that kind of moment? I'm like, I don't know. So a few months later, I'm at this young adult conference in our city, and uh, this guy, Travis, who's become a good friend, walks over to me, and he's like, hey, dude, the Lord just highlighted you in this room and said, I need to come get to know you, who are you? And I said, I'm Nate. <laughs> and uh, we started to talk, and he said, yeah, I'm, I'm leading this, this movement. I'm a part of an incredible team called Resurgence up in Edmonton, Canada, and, and uh, God's really moving. And I said, well, that's interesting. I think my great-grandpa's from it and to get a little good check out. So I'm Googling and trying to like get the city right and come back to him. And I'm like, yeah, my great-grandpa. And my, my great-grandpa actually, um, Carol and Hildvig, Edwardson, they were in Norway. And uh, they were um, getting ready to, to come across to Canada. And they were on the docks of Oslo in Norway. And uh, this girl, they were worshippers. They were like these wild worshippers with I guess they were with the Salvation Army, and there was some sort of revival happening um, in, in a place called Europe. And so, so uh, this girl has the boldness to come over to my grandpa, and she says to my my great grandpa Harold, she says, "Do you know Jesus?" And he says, "No." And she says, "Do you want to know Jesus?" And my great grandpa said, "No." <laughs> And then he went home, and he said that as he walked home, that just the presence of God gripped his heart. And he went into his bedroom, and he shut the door, and he fell face down on the ground, and he gave his life to Jesus. And it, and it, and it, and it just, the first in his family, the first in our family, to encounter Jesus, because this girl, the, she's the, the nameless girl from Norway. Like, when heaven comes, I, I've got to find this girl, right? I've got to find her and go, who are you? Because you, you have no idea what you said in motion. Like, you walked across the docks, and you asked the guy who knew Jesus, and he said no, and you walked away thinking he said no. Moments later, he said yes, and generations later, like, a, a ripple effect of, of, of a We never know. We never know what God's doing like that. Sometimes a no in, in the natural is actually a yes in heaven, and you have no idea what happens when that person gets home. You have no idea. Like, we, we, we measure things in such a different way than God. You have no idea where you feel like your, your friend doesn't want God, and then they get gripped by God. 
And all you did, you started the conversation, but God finished it. That you said the first word, and then the Lord just stepped in and said, all right, you started it. So um, the, the, the nameless girl from Norway is bold, and, and, uh, and, and this ripple effect. And so um, it, it's, it really is um, an honor. They, they moved here they, they, in, in the 1920s, moved to Edmonton, got ripped, got arrested with the, the cry of the hopeless and the homeless in the city. And they had to do something, and they gave everything. They, they bought a, a like a, a storefront, and they started during the depression. They were feeding three thousand every day, and they gave everything. They were great grandpa Harold. I, I never met him, but I was told he was one of the most generous men, and he gave the shirt off his back. And, and eighty-six years later, Hope Mission is thriving. It's in five or six cities, and Josh and an amazing team a part of that. So it, it really is an honor to be here. And, and this is the, the kind of thing where, like, I didn't get me here, God got me here. It's that kind of thing where, like, just, you know, you know, random but not so random, you know, God highlighting people in rooms and, and God talking about Canada to Brazilians in Florida. And just the, the way that God orchestrates things because he's about to move in cities. And people that are listening and people that are tuning in find themselves in the center of the move of God. That, 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 that God's will, like the right kind of heart, always finds itself in the center of the will of God. When you have the right kind of heart, you cannot miss the will of God. It's impossible. Because God's just looking for a heart. That's it. It's fully given to Him. And so you wake up in the morning and you posture your heart. And, and the right kind of heart always ends up in the center of what the Lord's doing on the earth. And that we think sometimes God feels like a tightrope. And i got to stay in. And, and am I in or out? And all you have to do is turn your heart to the Lord and you're in. Like you couldn't be more in the will of God. So um, can I pray for us? I'm just going to pray. I'm so blessed, Travis, that, that God has united a friendship here. And, uh, you know, one of, one of my dreams is to impact the earth with friends. And so I'm just looking for friends. I just need friends. You know, I want to impact the earth. I just need friends. And, and God's been, you know, connecting. I know the same with Travis, but making these, these city connections. And, and I really feel like Edmonton's one of those cities that, that we, we feel called to, to come alongside and be a part of whatever God wants to do um, in this city. So um, thank you for having me. I feel like we should take another offering right now. <laughs> God, we pray. God, we just we thank you for your presence. And we thank you that you really are a good, good father. That, that you talk about us to other people. That you, you love us that much. That you, you just can't stop talking about us. So that you're, you're in Florida talking to a Brazilian about the people in this room. God, you love this city that much. And when we pray, I pray tonight that, 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 uh, that you, you'd speak in very specific ways. And that there wouldn't be one person in this room that leaves unchanged. That something would land. That something would get written on our hearts that stays written. Something would get tattooed. God, on our hearts. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, so, um, so I'm going to share a message tonight and tomorrow we're going to talk about vision. It's one of my favorite themes and one. Um, if, if you're uh, interested in that and, and really stepping boldly 
in, into um, a life of vision. God wants to do something in you. And then tomorrow night, um, I'm, I'm going to share some, just a, a word that, that God's really put in me over the last couple of years that's very personal to me. And uh, I, come, I come and I speak to you. Not every group, but I felt like I was praying. I felt like the Lord said, you're speaking to leaders. So I'm, I'm speaking to you as leaders tonight, and not as, as just followers. I think some of us, we, we started following Jesus, and, and we forgot that like when you follow Jesus, like if, following Jesus is about leading in Jesus. And I think some of us, we got lost. Like We started following Him, and we never actually started leading in Him. He called his disciples to follow him, but then he sent them out. And some of us we get lost between the, the come and see and the go and make disciples. So I, I really I want to call out the leader in you that you're that if you have Jesus Christ in you, you're a leader because he's the greatest leader. The only way you could not be a leader is ignore the leader in you because Jesus lives in you. So I, I speak to you as leaders and influencers, and some of you you don't feel like a leader and. and look at your life and somehow you devalue what's on your life, but what that's doing, when you say kind of like Moses, when you, when you fight what God's doing in you, 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 you if God can use Moses, a stuttering murderer, he can use you, right? So, uh, and, and I love the, the passage in Colossians, where in Colossians chapter 1, Paul writes this, and he, he says that it, it pleased God Father to, to put his fullness in Jesus. So when you think of Jesus, Jesus has the fullness of God in him, right? Did Jesus get part of God? No, Jesus got all of God. So if you opened up Jesus and you looked in Jesus, you would see that he has all of God in him. He didn't just get some of God, he got the fullness of God. That's what Colossians 1 says, that the fullness of God's in Jesus. So when Jesus comes, Everything about him is the fullness of who God is. He's perfect theology. Like his way is the way. And, and then it says a few verses later that, that, that it pleased God to put himself in Jesus and then to put Jesus in you. Which is pretty amazing because if that's true, if you really have Jesus in you, then, then you have what in you? The fullness of God lives in you. Not just some of God. You didn't get just half God. I think some of you guys, you feel like you just got a little God. And so you're in worship and you're just like, God, I want more of you. I want more of you. You can never have any less or any more of God in you. You can become more aware of God in you. You can become more aware of who He is and who you are. But you have the the fullness of Jesus in you and the fullness of God in Jesus. You, you have like, God chose to place His fullness in Jesus and then place Jesus in you. This is a big deal. So when you wake up in the morning, you have to wake up and go, where's the fullness of God? The fullness of God lives in me. Help me to know who you are and who I am. Because when, when we get a revelation of that, it, it is so powerful. There is a, some people are like, man, I'm just not that spiritual. Like if you have Jesus living in you, it doesn't get more spiritual. But listen, you can never be any less or more spiritual than you are because you have the Spirit of God in you. You're as spiritual as it gets. 
You just have to wake up to who you are and who lives in you. So it is, it is a lie to think, well, I need more spiritual, or I've just got to, that's just, we, we've got, uh, it's bad theology. Because Colossians says the fullness of God's in Jesus, the fullness of Jesus lives in you. And this is what, what we sing about a good, good father. This is what that good, good father chose to do. He, he, he wants to move. Listen, I'm speaking to you as leaders because I believe that God wants to move in you the next two days. Because what God does in you, He can do through you. You guys can tweet that if you want. God does in you, He can do through you. And so I think I think so many of us are like, God, we're asking God to do something on behalf of us. We're saying, God, rend the heavens. God, do something out there. God, do something on my campus. And and God says, okay, I want to move on your behalf. And what does he do? He moves in you so he can move through you. This is what God, I mean, think about it. God, God rescues three million slaves in the midday from the greatest empire in history at that time, the Exodus. God chooses to rescue them in midday. What's God's plan to rescue three million slaves from the greatest empire in history at that, at that hour? Moses. Moses. That seems like the worst plan ever. Just rescue them. Just show up and like flex your muscles. Do something crazy. And God's like, I'm going to move in this man. I'm going to draw him face to face. Because if I can draw him face to face, I can draw a nation face to face. And if I can draw a nation face to face, I can draw every nation face to face. And so God wants to do something in you. Like you're the Moses. God move on my canvas. Okay, he moves in your life. God, do something in my kids. My kids need you. Okay, Dad, I'm moving in your life. Because what your kids need, they need a dad filled with God. Move in my marriage. Move in my marriage. God, do something out there on my behalf. Okay, wife, I'll move in your life. All right. This is even what I'm talking about. All right, turn to Luke, Luke chapter uh, 4. We'll jump into it. Alright, so I want to read this story and just share a few things about the story. And, and uh, this is the kind of message to equip you. Right? There are messages to inspire. There are messages. There's all kinds of messages. This is a message to equip you. I actually want you to leave with something in your hand, something in your heart. I want you to leave with something you didn't have before. And I believe in God to do that and give it to you. So, in Luke 4, it says this, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, Returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, which is pretty profound. That God will actually lead you into the wilderness. That at times we think God's abandoned us because we're in a wilderness when God's actually the one who led you there. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. And the devil said to him, If you're really the Son of God, Change this stone into bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up and revealed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them. The devil said, Because they are mine to give anyone I please. I will give it to you if you worship me. Jesus replied, The scriptures say, You must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. 
Then the devil took Jesus to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, If you're really the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures say you must not test the Lord your God. I love that he, he wars against the enemy using scripture, what God said, the word of the Lord. When the devil finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. So uh, this this is a passage that I've read many times, I've taught a few times, but just in the past couple of years I read it and, and, and God began just showing me, and it was very personal, it was things I was wrestling with in the Lord, but God began using this passage to, to kind of teach me, and, and it, it's interesting because here's Jesus, he's led, you know, right, right off the bat, you know, he has this encounter with his father where in Luke 3 his father said, this is my son with whom I'm I'm well pleased. He brings me joy. So he faces his father. He gets this this delight and this love from his father, and then he faces his enemy. And there's this there's this attack against really his identity. And in uh, you know the wilderness, and the enemy comes and says, if, if you're really the son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you're really the son of God, bow down and I'll give you all these kingdoms. If you're really the son of God, jump off this temple, reveal yourself in front of everyone. The scripture says that his angels will catch you and lift you up. And so here's Jesus that, that essentially this attack, these temptations, um, very early on, he, he's, he's very young, he's 30 years old, he's just beginning his, his kind of ministry, his assignment and, and uh, comes face to face with the enemy here and and uh, I was reading this recently, and, and it hit me that, that Jesus could do these things, couldn't he? If Jesus wanted to, could, could he turn these, these stones into bread? He could do that and, and just begin eating this bread. Uh, Jesus could have bowed down and worshipped Satan and, and taken all the kingdoms of the world in that moment. Je- Jesus could have done this. Jesus could have jumped off the temple and revealed himself as Jesus, you know, with, with, you know, choirs singing and the angels holding him up and everyone sees who he is. And so I'm reading this and I'm thinking that Jesus could have done this, you know, why, why not? And, and then I'm reading this and I'm thinking, not only could Jesus do this, but Jesus should do these things. In fact, these are the very things Jesus came to do. And I've always read this thinking that, that Satan was tempting Jesus to do the wrong things. And I'm reading this and I'm like, he's actually tempting Jesus to do the right things. This is the very call on Jesus' life, to, to come and feed the hungry, to turn stones in, into bread. He says just chapters later, if a son came to a father and asked for bread, would that father give his son stones? No, he'd give him bread. Jesus has come to take back the kingdoms of this world. This is the very call in his life. Jesus has come to reveal himself in front of everyone as the Son of God. So this is the call in his life. So Satan's tempting Jesus not to do the wrong things, but to actually do the right things. But the issue here is timing. Because it matters to God when and how we get things. 
It's timing. This is Jesus is being tempted to do the right things in the wrong time. And here's in the kingdom of God, the right thing in the wrong time is the wrong thing. I'll say that again. The, 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 the right thing in the wrong time is the wrong thing. That, that timing matters to God. This is a timing issue. Jesus, Jesus could do these things and he will do these things. But Jesus knows what time it is. And he knows it's not time for these things. Like, I'll be lifted up, but it won't be the angels who lift me up. It'll be the cross that lifts me up. And I think for us as leaders, kingdom leaders, I, I think that, that we will face temptations to do the wrong things. But I think the greater temptation you and I will face is to do the right things in the wrong time. And in Luke 3, Jesus knows who he is. And if you're going to be a leader, if you're, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, let alone a leader, you've got to know who you are. Jesus knows who he is. He, he has this encounter where he knows he's a son. He lives from sonship. He's living from love. He's not living for the love of God. He's living from the love of God. He's not living for the approval of his father. He's living from the approval of his father. Before Jesus does anything, he hasn't walked on water. He hasn't multiplied the loaves and the fish. He hasn't healed anyone. His father says, I'm so pleased with you. So his journey begins with a word from father saying, you're awesome. You're amazing. You haven't done anything, but you're amazing. So he knows who he is. And this is, this is sonship's about and daughtership's about living from his love, not trying to get it. And this is, you know, religion says, if you obey me, then I will love you. It's religion. And, but, and, it's, and it's so many followers of Jesus actually believe this, and it's sick. It's like me coming to my, my I have three daughters and a, and a son, um, six, eight, ten, and twelve. And it's like me coming to Alicia, my six-year-old, and saying, listen, if you obey all these rules, if you do all these things that I've asked you to do, then I'll love you, honey. And that's, that, that, when you say that's just sick, like, what father would do that? And yet, many of us, we actually believe that about God. That when we're keeping all the rules, and when we're, when we're actually doing all the right things, then somehow he loves us more. But, but sonship, sonship and daughtership isn't, you know, if you obey me, I love you. It's, I, I love you so much. Now obey me. I love you first right now. And this is the first word Jesus gets. I love you. So Jesus knows who he is. He's a son. He knows who he is. And then, just a, a bit after this temptation story, he'll say something like, the Spirit of God is upon me for this. So Jesus knows who he is. And Jesus knows why he is. We've got to know why we are. So we've got to know identity is who you are. We've got to know destiny. This is why you are. But then there's this third area. I call it when you are. And I think this is the area that is most confusing for this generation. That many of us, we know, we know who we are. We know why we are. But we've got to know when we are. It's the when of God. I, I call it living at the, the speed of God. The when of God. And, and this is the area that can get really confusing. But Jesus knows the time. Like in John 2... They run out of wine at the wedding, and Jesus' mom comes to him and says, Hey, honey, we're out of wine. What does Jesus say to his mom? It's not my time. 
And then she says, oh, stop it, Jesus. Just do whatever he says. And so to, she moves his heart. Only Jesus' mom can move him at a time. But, but, but so, so Jesus knows the time. And it's so important. So I want to talk about, like, you probably get a lot of teaching about who you are, a lot of teaching about why you are. I want to talk about when you are. Because I think, I think there's, there's nothing more freeing and fulfilling than, than knowing when I am. And yet, when I don't know when I am, when I'm, I can know who I am and why I am, but when I don't know when I am, life gets very confusing in God. And I think this is where many, even many of us in this room, in the, in the pews, maybe this is where we have gotten stuck or people in our generation have gotten stuck. And, and so I want to just kind of tune into this idea of the when of God, the timing of God. And, and, and I really believe, and I can share a, a bit about this later, but I believe that, that this gathering, this resurgence gathering, um, there's, there's a group in the Bible called the Sons of Issachar. And it says the Sons of Issachar, they knew the time. And I feel like the Lord's actually looking for a group of people in this city who will know the time of God. And they'll become, in some, in some sense, like, like we're telling people who they are, we're telling people why they are, but they'll, they'll, a group of people who actually like have the clock of God, and, and they're able to help a generation know when they are. And so that's, I'm just asking the Lord to just equip you, as I kind of unpack this message just a bit tonight, that, that, that we'd understand that the timing of the Lord is such a big deal. And, and here's Jesus, I, I love these... Uh, you know, these uh, temptations, these attacks, the, the enemy's trying to get Jesus to do the right thing in the wrong time. Um, he recognizes the calling on Jesus' life, but he's calling him to compromise who he is by doing it early. You can know the call of God on your life, and the enemy's scheme is to get you to do it early, and by doing it early, you're actually compromising what's on your life. Timing matters deeply. Because the, the, the right dating relationship in the wrong time is the wrong relationship. How many have been a part of that? How many of you knew it was the timing was off? Like, this could have been awesome, but I rushed this thing. The right word, the right word of God in the wrong time is actually the wrong word. How many of you have given, you've given a word to someone and then you, you walked away going, ah, that was just, it kind of blew up. It's because God gave you the word, you were meant to wait on it and seek His timing for the word. Yeah. But we get we get so rushed. i got to get this word and it blows up because it, the, the word was like a little baby that never grew up. We want to give, we got to get grown people words, you know, not baby words. <laughs> the, 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 the right job, the right financial decision, whatever it is, the right thing in the wrong time is the wrong Thing and we've got to we've got to learn we've got to get the speed of God here and, and Jesus how he how he's showing us sonship here is pretty amazing because the, the enemy comes and says turn these stones into bread the temptation is for Jesus to provide for himself compromising the, the reality that that his dad provides for. Gotta get that job. I gotta provide for myself. I gotta make all this money. I've gotta do all this. I've gotta take into my own hands. At the core of that, the lie is I don't really trust that God provides for me. 
I gotta work three jobs. I got I meet all these men and women that are that are working ninety and I go, what are you doing? I gotta make this money, I gotta okay, so you gotta you gotta do it. You gotta promote you, you gotta turn stones into bread. Do we really trust that this is what Jesus is saying? He says, no, no, I don't provide for me. He provides for me. And, and then this temptation to, um, to bow down and worship him, to get all the kingdoms of this world. And, and, and that, that's the, the, the temptation. He's, he's saying, Jesus, promote yourself. And Jesus is saying, I don't promote me. He promotes me. I mean, there's a lot of self-promotion out I gotta promote me. I gotta get my name out there. I gotta go viral on Instagram. I got. I gotta get more likes on Facebook. Like I got, I've gotta be more. Pop, I've gotta make more. There, there's this idea where I've gotta get me there. And Jesus is like, nah, I'm gonna. Jesus says to Satan, I'm gonna have all the kingdoms, but it, it won't be by worshiping you, because he knew what was on his life. He knew that my Father in heaven is going to give me the kingdoms. Of this world, and we see in Revelation, the kings of this world will become the kingdom of our God. And He knows I, I don't promote me; He promotes me, and I trust Him. And then this third temptation is reveal yourself. So there's pro, there's provide for yourself, promote yourself, and then prove yourself. And I think there's a lot of people in our generation trying to prove themselves. Prove I can be a man. Prove I can be a woman. Prove I can be in this relationship. Prove I can make money. Prove and. You know, I'm going to get this car. I'm going to make a name for myself. And a lot of men are trying to make a name for themselves. Got to get a name in my business. I want to get a name, you know, with the ladies. I want to get a name financially, right? But my question is, men, do you have a name before God? Is God named? Because at the end of the day, I want God to know my name. I don't care who knows my name. I want him to know my name. So, so prove yourself. And Jesus just says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove my, I'm going to reveal myself as the Son of God, but I'm not going to do it off this time. It'll come. It's a timing issue. But there's this temptation. I really feel like this is the timing of God. So important for our day because there's this, there, there's this struggle uh, among our generation to provide for ourselves and to promote ourselves and to prove ourselves. And all that is, is the orphan in it's the, the orphan that's just trying to get God's attention, trying to get a name. And, and, but, but sons and daughters, they know who they are. And in the face of, of, of any temptation in the wilderness, they're able to go, no, I trust the timing of God. That He provides for me. He promotes me. He proves me. I don't have to prove you. You don't have to prove you at all. God wants to reveal you. This is what's actually happening on the earth, that... The Bible says that, that when Jesus comes again, he will reveal himself on the earth, right? And then there's all of creation's longing for the revealing of Jesus, right? But then there's another verse that says all of creation's awaiting and longing for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. And you're thinking, which is it? All of creation's longing for, is it for Jesus to reveal himself or for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed? Both. That God actually wants to reveal you, like Christ in you, like He wants out. And, and so I think there's a lot of like false humility in the church where we're just going to hide in the shadows. I'm going to hide in the back pew and, because it's, it's just Jesus. And, and it's not just Jesus. This story is not just Jesus. 
If it was just Jesus, He wouldn't need any of us. Like, it's Jesus in you, the hope of glory. Which means you don't know where you end and He begins. Because you're one with Him. And so when Jesus reveals Himself on the earth, we get revealed with Him. Which, which is amazing. Like, so the world, listen, when the world sees Jesus, the world sees Nate. That Nate fully alive puts on display Jesus fully alive. And the revealing of God says, so, so Jesus, there's, there's, a, there's a timing to that. He proves you. He reveals you. And it's so easy for us to so I got to prove me. I got to get a name. And there's a trust that Jesus has that where he's like, no, I'm going to reveal myself. But it, it's, this isn't how it's going down. And social media, I don't know if it's the same here. Do you guys, you guys have Facebook here in Canada? <laughs> So, social media hasn't helped. Now, I'm all about social media. I've got, a, I've got this, this uh, theory, it's called Instafluence. Like, I'm all about impacting the earth through social media. Social media didn't create the problem. I hear people go, Facebook's the problem. No, it's not. It just showed us the problem. It's like marriage. People get married and their marriage blows up and they're like, man, marriage, I was so happy and then I got married. Like, marriage ruined me. No, it didn't. Marriage exposed you. Oh, and she makes me so angry. No, she just, just brought it out of me. And that's what relationship, it just, there, there was, if there's, listen, there's junk in your trunk. And marriage brings the junk out of your trunk. That's just the reality. It's the same with social media. I feel like I feel like social media has been a gift to our generation. Because and used used well, I think it can impact the earth. But I think it's been a gift because it's exposed all kinds of stuff. I think you know it's very fun for me to pastor people through social media because I watch and I'm like, that is so ugly. That's so ugly. Oh, that's so beautiful. Because it just exposes who we are. And you see people that, do, that, that are walking in such honor and such beauty and such encouragement. And, 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 and it's because that's who they are. So, so the social media is just an extension of who they are already. But then you've got all these orphan places and all this division, all this stuff. All that, that's being exposed. And it gives us an opportunity to speak to it and go, hey, what's up? But social media, what it's done, this, this is where it hasn't helped this whole thing of like providing and promoting and proving, it is, is now we can see everything. It was always there, but now it's on display. Now I can see how big your house is. Now I can see how hot your girlfriend is. Now I can see how much you're traveling. Now I can see how awesome you are. I can see how many likes you're getting. It's crazy. Like, at first you could just like people, which is cool. Like, you like people, you can poke people. Now, you, you actually can subscribe to people. It's, it's, it's like, you can have subscribers, you know, and fans, and it's, it's, it's really interesting how this thing's escalated, you know. There's going to be a button at some point, worship. Worshiping each other. I don't know. But, but so, but now we can see it. So social media has put on display things where all of a sudden, like, I thought I was doing great, but now I see how great you're doing, and I'm not doing so great. 
And there's this, there's this comparison. There's this pressure. There's like, man, Havel has got like 8,000 more followers than me. What am I doing wrong? She's blowing up and, and, and Fanning's book. And, and, and there's this thing where I feel like I should be further. Dude, I should, all my friends are dating. I should be dating. I should be married by now. I should have more money. I should his car, her house. I, I, I should be more spiritual. I should be, I should be traveling more. I said, I said yes to God at that camp with Travis at the same time, and he's traveling the world. What am I doing? I'm working at Hortons. <laughs> And so in Song of Solomon, 
you know, here's this book where there's this couple and they're they, they're attracted to each other and and she's pursuing him and he's pursuing her and, and, and there's this romantic language happening and things are really getting heated. I mean, this is one of the most risque sexual books in the Bible. Right in the center of the Bible, we have this 3,000-year-old love poem. The God of sex gives us a book of sex and love and, and, and relationships and dating because sex is God's and sex is good. And, and so he's... He, Things are getting heated up, and, and, and they're beginning to make out a bit. And in uh, chapter 2, verse 7, God speaks through the community around this couple and says, Do not awaken love until the time is right. The time. God doesn't say, Don't awaken love. <laughs> he doesn't. He's not some... You know, cosmic killjoy. He's, I grew up thinking God was anti-sex and that he was devoting half of his life to keeping me from ever having awesome sex. <laughs> I grew up thinking he's anti and that somehow like Adam and Eve stumbled upon sex in the jungle and thought, that was awesome, let's do that again. And, and yet God, God like creates Adam and Eve and he's in... Um, heaven with the angels, and God slapped his hand down on a table and said, come here, I've got something new, and, and they said, more animals, and he said, no, no more giraffes, no more chihuahuas, <laughs> more flowers, they said, ah, no more flowers, more colors, ah, no more colors, sex, and he begins to describe sex, and the angels are like, ah, this is kind of weird, and, and then listen, God creates Adam and Eve, and what's the very first commandment in the Bible? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The very first commandment is have sex and lots of it. <laughs> because we've got to fill the earth. Fill the earth sex. And he hands them this to fill the earth sex. This is, hey, hey, I've been married 15 years and I'm just being biblical. And we're filling the earth. That's what we're doing. And so, he, he, listen, he, he hands Adam and Eve sex and gives it to him. This is our God putting putting his goodness on display. This is a whole other message. So, But in Psalm Solomon chapter 2, there's a timing to this. So God's do not awaken love until the time is right. God doesn't listen. If you're in a relationship, or maybe you've been in one that blew up, maybe you're, you're in one right now that you're just hoping works, maybe you're here and you're praying, you came here tonight to get into one. And we'll be, we'll, if that's you, we're going to have a ministry time for you over here. We're going to believe God to do something um, awesome. Uh, so, but God doesn't call us to wait, to frustrate us. He calls us to wait to fulfill us. Yeah. And in the timing of God, if, if we really understood that He wants to father us and He's a good, good father, in the timing of God, he, he's, he's not saying wait because I'm holding out on you. He's saying wait because I, I'm actually like, I, I want to fulfill you in every way possible. There's a timing to this. And God knows this thing has to grow in ways that will fulfill you. And, and, and oftentimes when we rush, I see this happens all the time. Couples rush into a relationship. And all of a sudden, it's, it's, it's so interesting. You'll have this woman, and she's like a woman of God. She's on the worship team. And then you have this dude, and he's the sound guy, and he loves God. And then, and then suddenly, like, suddenly there's this spark. They start dating, 
And for whatever reason, they start dating. They're, they're, they're in love with God. They never miss a, a resurgence gathering. And they're here every time. They start dating. They disappear for four months. It's always four months. Like when you meet people in your life, you disappear. It's four months. Hey, where did they go? They started dating. What? They meet people. You meet people in your life. They disappear for four months. And who knows what they're doing. And, and then after four months, they resurface. But not in real person. They resurface on Facebook. Because they're engaged. And you're like, what? Like, they didn't even ask me. Like, I was...
And if you're in a dating relationship and it's just awful, if you're in a dating relationship and things blowing up, you're probably just eating the fruit you planted or didn't plant. Because this is the reality. Like, there's actually something God wants to do in your single season. And some of you, it's it been shorter, and some of you, it's been longer. But there's something God's doing there that's actually preparing you for the next season. And when you get everything God wants from you in the single season, the dating season is like this incredible, fruitful God thing because you're at the speed of God. And then you have all these marriages that are just divorce happening all the time and, and and why did I marry her and what's wrong and I sit with couples all the time and I'm like well you, you guys are just eating the fruit that you planted in your dating season because you guys started sleeping together and you guys weren't in community and you made all these poor decisions and you thought that getting married changes everything but it doesn't it actually just exposes everything and then and then she's like she's you know I want to marry this guy because I, you know, I know that once we get married, he'll change. I hear this all the time. He's going to change when we get married. I know right now he's a total dirtbag. You know, I can't trust him. I know but if we're going to get married, he's going to change. And I'm like, that's, that, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, like men don't just change because they're married. They just don't. And you've, you've got couples that are that are sleeping together. And I talk with these, these girls that are... You know, that, that are sexually active with their boyfriends. And I go, listen, what do you want? What's your heart? And they're describing this is the kind of man of God that protects me and the man of God that, 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 that only, only sleeps with one woman that's faithful. And I'm like, well, your boyfriend's actually showing you who he is. He's showing you that, that he's the kind of guy that sleeps with girls outside of marriage. But when you're married, it won't be you. But it'll be your fault because he's telling you who he is and you're still going to marry him. You're marrying Mr. I sleep with women outside of marriage. And then you're all surprised when he cheats on you. So I think there's this timing thing that, that uh, wow, this took a turn, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what time is it. This thing just got like, super real. <laughs> timing. 
Joshua. I love that story of Joshua where Joshua calls um, Joshua to take the city. And uh, he says, march seven days. You're going to march seven days. For six days, you're going to be silent. On the seventh day, you're going to march seven times. And then you're going to... Um, And you're going to shout, walls are going to come down. And, and uh, so here's this Joshua story. And, and seven days, this is a story about timing. God doesn't say, go take the city right now. He says, no, I'm asking you to march seven days. And so they march. They march one day. The faith of God, they march the second day. They march the third day. And then you know on the fourth day, there, there were some of Josh's friends that were just punking out. Like, God, I don't want to march anymore. This is ridiculous, Josh. God's going to give us a silly wife four days. And you know some of them bailed. And, and he said, no, we got to march. God said, march seven days. There's a promise given to me seven days. So they marched fourth day. They marched the fifth day. And you know people on the fifth day were complaining and whining and thinking, man, this is ridiculous. Why? Why is this taking so long? Five days, God. And then the sixth day and then the seventh day. And for six days they were silent. On the seventh day they shouted. And, and, and the walls came down. And this powerful move of God where God gave Joshua, this city, Jericho, but it took a week. There was a, there was this timing of God where what's the very first thing God speaks to Joshua in this story? The very first thing. That city is yours, Joshua. All its warriors and its king. He tells Joshua, I'm giving you that city. So check this out. Check this out. Listen, uh, I, I think you come up here really quick. Yeah. Just stand right here. Come on, stand there. So, so you're Joshua. Face that way, though. So the Lord, the Lord says to Joshua, hey, that city's yours. And the king runs for you. So he gets, but you're going to have to march for seven days. So God stands behind Joshua and speaks a word over his life. Now here's the thing about God. When God speaks a word over your life, that word never ends. Yeah. It never ends. The word of the Lord endures forever. Anything God's spoken over your life, it goes forever. So it doesn't like, it doesn't like, well, I hope it goes, but the word of the Lord never ends. So he speaks this word and says, hey, listen, you're going to have to march for seven days. Here's this word. It's like seven days long. And then, and then what happens is that Joshua starts to march, maybe a step for a day. He marches. This is what God does while he's marching. God actually, listen, God stands behind his word, and then God goes before his word. That's what God does. He can do both because he's God. He's standing behind his word. But then he just, he goes to the, the place where his word lands, and he just stands there, and he invites us to march toward him. So he's standing behind us, and he makes a promise, and then he goes seven days in the future, and he stands there. And then, and then we walk in, we march one day, two day, three day. We're at the speed of God. And it feels like forever, but it's, it's just a week in the timing of God. It's just a week. It feels like forever, but God's standing there. And how many punk out day five and compromise? And it's like God's like, ah, just two more days. I was there. I was there because the moment here, come here, the moment that, that we march... In, into the promise of God. That moment that we actually like march into what God has has promised and wrapped over our life, that's when the walls come down. Okay, you can sit down. That got weird. So, so here's this story. And what's interesting, here's this promise over Joshua's life. But this story is not actually even about 
like the story is not about Jericho. It's about Joshua. Like why would God, why would God ask Joshua to march seven days? Why? He, he, because he wants to give a man a city. He wants to give and a group of people a city. But in order to trust them with the city, he first calls them to march. Because if he can trust them to march in a direction, to be what Eugene Peterson calls a long obedience in the same direction. This, this story isn't about Jericho, it's about Joshua. This story here is less about Edmonton, it's more about resurgence. He's growing you. He's growing Joshua to be the kind of man who can actually take a city. And then it said, oh yeah, and God gave Joshua nine more cities. You're like, what? And just one verse. Yeah, nine more cities. So there's this big seven-day ordeal. Like, I got to march seven days. So I think, listen, the word of the Lord, like God has called you to things. And if we can be a generation that, that, that marches in the direction of God, all we have to do is give to God. And cities are reached. That's it. He stands behind you. He goes before you. And he just invites you. When we get to God, cities are reached. And it's like, that's it? And God's like, yeah, watch, watch me shatter the walls in this city. The walls of poverty. The walls of racism. The walls of division. The walls that have divided the church. Like, watch me do that. All you have to do is hear my voice and walk in my direction. And don't punk out day five. It's a timing thing. God's growing Joshua, he's, he shows us and then he grows us. There's so many, so many stories I could share about my own journey, but I know it's, it, it's getting like real practical. Can I get just practical for a minute? A, a couple, like some of you are like, how do I know the time of God? How do I know the timing? So just, just, just you know, it, it's, it, it's, it's so important that we understand that, that God actually wants to father us. He wants to show us the time. He, he, he hides himself not from us but for us. And, and, and I think I think we need to move beyond the gathering into the fathering of God. Like God actually wants to father you. And so so I, there's so many ways that God shows us the time. But I but I, I just want to hone in on three. I feel like in my life, three ways that the Lord has just that has shown me the time. Like I know who I am, I know why I am, I want to know when I am. And, and, and the three anchors, I call them like anchors to hearing God's voice or anchors to know the time, are, are the Bible, the Holy Spirit, and community. And I could, spend, I could spend hours talking about these three, but I'm going to just take a couple minutes and I'm going to pray for you guys and go out for something. But, but so um, the Bible, as I, as, I read, as I read the Bible and I read stories of God, God will reveal to me the timing, the season that I'm in. So those that read the Bible, like you're reading about Elijah in the cave, and you're like, that's me. I'm in a cave season. And that's the Lord just helping give you language. Or, or, or David. David's, you know, running from Saul. That's me. I'm, I feel like I'm running from this, this, this attack on my life. Or, or Abraham leaves everything to follow Jesus. And some of you are like, that's what he's calling me to do. Leave this job and follow him into this unknown thing, but I know the Lord's calling me. The story of Joshua is perfect, because in Joshua chapter 1, the call of God comes to Joshua, and Joshua says yes. Some of you, that's the, the timing of God for you, is just say yes. How many of you feel like that's you right now? 
just say yes. Like some of that's the season of God you're in. Like I'm just saying yes. I'm just saying yes. Whatever God speaks to me, whatever He says, I just I'm just saying yes. Some of you, that's the season. It's just a yes season. Chapter two, they're crossing over from this this old life to this new life. Some of you guys, that's the the timing of the Lord for you is you're crossing over. You're not who you were, but you're not yet who God's called you to be, but you're but you're at least moving in His direction. And then there's a cutting off, a circumcision. Some of you, that's what God's doing right now. He's cutting away things in your life. He, he's stripping away things that you've held on to, the addictions or thoughts or pornography. There's a cutting off happening because God's about to move in and through your life. And then chapter 4, it says that, that Joshua bows down and he surrenders. He's, he's letting go of control. How many of you guys are in that season? You're learning to let go of control. That's the timing of the Lord for you. That's the, there's something so free about knowing the time. When I don't know the time, I'm so stressed. Like, I feel like I should be somewhere. I'm not sure if I'm late or not. And, and the enemy's lying to me and saying, you're late, you're late. And so I'm freaking out. But, but then when I find someone, I go, hey, what time it is? And they're like, this is the time. I go, oh, I've got plenty of time. Peace comes on me when I know the time. Oh, I've got time. <coughs> got 40 minutes, and it only takes 15 minutes to get there. Plenty of time. But when I didn't know the time, I'm stressed, I've got fear, I'm, I'm anxious, I'm freaking out because I don't know the time. This is so many followers of Jesus are freaking out. You just got to know the time. You got to know the season you're in. Maybe the season is just being faithful with something. Or this, this, this season is a single season. The this, this season is, you know, God's cutting things off of me. Or the season is, I'm just saying this, y'all. When you can give language to the season you're in, you're, you're most alive and fulfilled. Because when you know the time, when you know the season you're in, you can be most grateful for what God's doing. And the most grateful people on the earth are the most joyful and the most alive. When, when I know the time, and I know I'm not late, and I know that I'm, I'm given to the thing that God has called me to do. And I know that I'm in the timing of God and I'm in, at the, the pace of God. I'm not stressed. I just have tons of peace and joy. And people like being around me. So sometimes God will speak through scripture, these stories where it's like, that's the season I'm in. I'm, I'm Abraham, I'm Moses, I'm Esther. And, and, and sometimes it's, it's through the Holy Spirit. And, and sometimes we're running to people. Like, we're trying to hear from God through people and, and, and at times God will just sh- shut off his voice in people because he's calling you face to face it's time to hear the Holy Spirit the whisper of God and we're, I'm running to my pastor I'm running to friends I'm trying to hear God's voice I'm trying to I'm going to small groups I'm like I gotta hear from God I gotta hear from God but God will not speak to you because he's, he wants to speak to you face to face with the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit will reveal to you the season you're in. What time, what time is it, God? And God knows the time, and this is the season you're in. This is what I'm calling you to. And, and so sometimes it's through Scripture. Sometimes it's through the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's through community, where God doesn't speak to you face-to-face. You're like, God, speak to me. But what He knows is you need people. And so He speaks to you through people in your life that, that help you. I tell people this. If you don't know what time it is, Ask someone with a watch. There's always someone in your life that knows the time. Always. You have no excuse. You have the Bible. You have the Holy Spirit. You have 
you have the body of Christ people, and so there's always someone. That, and so you've got young people that coming up to us all the time going, man, help me, I've got to know the time. And so we pray together, and we discern the time, and sometimes I send them off. You've got to hear from the Lord. Sometimes God will give a prophetic word. This is the season you're in. This is the time. Does that help a bit? I mean, we, my wife and I, came out of a very painful season three years ago. And we, we ended up having to fire a very close friend on our staff. And in, in a weekend, um, four out of ten staff left the church. And, and a handful of about eight to ten couples, good friends of ours that, that, that were upset because of this, this decision that I made. And I had a very divisive guy on my team. And I uh, really struggled for, for about a year and a half and, and, and uh, wanted to keep him and, and wanted him a part of the team. But it was becoming more and more divisive. And, and uh, I, was, I was so ready to leave, came to a place where I knew that, that either he had to leave or I had to leave. And, and my love for him and my loyalty for him was, I, I told the Lord I would leave, God, I would leave. And we were sitting with friends at sushi one night, and, and uh, we were hanging out and just sharing with them just the, the, the painful season we were in, of, of feeling like we had to fire a close friend but didn't want to. And, and that I was thinking about actually leaving because it would be it would be easier and less painful to just leave. And, and uh, this friend looked across from the, the table, and, and, and the spirit of God came upon her, and she spoke a word to me. And she sat. Feel so, she, she began weeping. She was weeping, so we were weeping. And she sat. I feel like the Lord saying, "Stay the course. Stay the course, Nathan. Stay the course, Eric." The Lord saying, "Stay the course." He's with you, and, and that word just wrapped around my heart. And, and sometimes all you need is one word from the Lord to know the time. And I knew I came away from that dinner, and I knew that, that the Lord was saying, "It's time to stay the course." And for the next six months, we did. We, we stood. We faced this thing. We stayed, and the Lord fathered us through it. It was, it was the most difficult, painful season we have ever been a part of and yet God, God's redemptive hand was, was just beautiful and God was in it the whole way. And part of it was that word, like I needed, I needed people to help me know the time because I didn't know the time. Trust him, if I can really trust him, 
that, that He has the best for me, even when I feel like it's taking too long. And I trust that He, he, he proves me. I trust that He promotes me. I trust He provides for me. I, I really believe that trust is what anchors us in the speed of God, because I trust Him. I'm not hurrying. I don't have to get there further. I can relax because I just trust that He really is good. And if that's you, if you feel like the Lord, maybe it's a new season for you, maybe I'm giving language to the season you're already in, but if you're here and you feel like it's time to come as a son and trust Him with the season I'm in, or it's time to come as a daughter and really trust Him, I'm not just saying I trust Him like a bumper sticker, but I, I really want to believe that if I can live in the speed of God, that, that, that You have my best in mind and that, and that I will lack no good thing. If that's You, if You just come stand up here right now. Just be bold. Be bold. This isn't about anyone but You and God. But you're, it's a covenant of trust in the Lord. Don't, don't come just because your friend is coming. Please come because you really sense that it's, it's time to come as a son, as a daughter, and really trust him. For those who aren't coming, I, I, I deeply respect you. For the decision to know this it's not time to come but there is a time to come and just say I want to trust you I want to live as a son and, and all the pressure and all the crazy and all the promotion we see and all the relationships and all the money all that somehow somehow I can trust that, that you're going to father me and that you you really are good In the word of the Lord, you will lack no good thing if you can trust Him and smile while you're doing it. I mean, to just smile in the season you're in, to go, oh God, I don't want to be here. This is awful. This is like Tim Hortons. Are you kidding me? This is like. If someone. Is that what I say, right? I'm sorry. If someone works at Tim Hortons, then I apologize. It's exactly where you need to be. You're getting exactly what you need for that dating season. But just smiling like it is fulfilling to know the time. You can slow down. You just you can smile. God's with me. I don't have to. I don't have to be further. I don't, I don't have to be anything. But at the speed of God, Holy Spirit, come. Spirit, I, I pray that you would in part do something in us that we know the time and, and, and even when we don't know it that we can, we can get the time of God to be a generation that, that knows the time, to be a community in Edmonton that actually knows the timing of God generation so confused sexually so confused financially so confused with purpose but a generation of Jesus followers and leaders who actually know the time like you've got the watch of God 
Holy Spirit.
the Beth, whoever the Bethany is at 48 years old in the, in the August 13th, I want you to come see me afterwards. And anybody else who feels like they really want a timing word from the Lord, I want you to come see me afterwards. But so Diana, um, you're going to take you're going to take it all. You're going to take. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to share. Uh, you're an incredible wife. You're an incredible wife. For starters, incredible. And then there's there's a time for you to like you're supposed to open up your home to these spiritual daughters that the Lord has given you. I think about like the way that um, Lazarus and and Mary, and I, I think about the way that they opened up their home to Jesus, and amazing things happened. And you have spiritual daughters that the Lord has given you that you're going to open your home to. And the story of God in your life, you've been you've been growing and developing so much. You've been You've been, you know, like you've been in this constant process with the Lord. And it's, this word is confusing for me because it's almost like I don't believe it, but you're done going through your process. And it's time for you to speak. You're done. You're all done. You've gone through it all. You've learned what you needed to learn. And it's time for your voice to be heard because God has completed the work that he needed to complete in you to get you out there. You know, I was sitting there next to Nate when they played the video, and you know what he said? He said, wow, she needs to preach. <laughs> and I walked in the door. I walked in the door when I first came in here, and, and I saw Diana here, and like I just I just went like this. <laughs> and I didn't know why. I'm like, why am I smiling like that? It's, oh, man, her smile is infectious. It is, isn't it? It is. She's a redhead, so there's major points in her life. <laughs> If you want to just ask the Lord to give you a timing word, I think there's some great guys here. I know, like, I feel like the Lord's highlighted some cool people for me that have prophetic voices and some folks that have even uh, healing gifts. I saw a I saw a young woman who she was wearing black, kind of high pants, dark hair, up in a bun. She took off her yeah, there you are. Healing gifts, incredible healing gifts on your life. I don't want you to lay your hands on some people when you see that they're sick. I saw some cool stuff with Dean. I saw some cool stuff with Joshua. I got to spend some time with where I've seen these guys as major prophets to this community. And, like, I think they both do it very differently, but I think they're, they're, they're the prophetic direction for this community in many ways. There's, there's two and there's two black people in our pre-service prayer meeting. And I see, I see one of you, the gentleman there. Yeah, when you, when you pray, sorry, I don't know if that's PC or not. I just, <laughs> yeah, we're from Reddit. There's no black people in Reddit. So I'm happy to see you. When you prayed, I felt like you were seeing directly into heaven. I felt like you were seeing exactly what was going on there. And you were calling it down here on earth. And I think that you also have an incredible prophetic gift. I think that you can see it in people's lives. And you can see timing and seasons and, and some incredible stuff too. And then there was another woman who was in that meeting. And I said, you right there. What's your name? Lillian? Lillian, when you prayed, I felt a weird shift in the spirit. It was like, oh, this lady, she can change stuff. She can change stuff. You're in a tough season. You need a good job. She can pray for you. I would get some prayer from Lillian. I'm tempted to get some prayer from Lillian. 
She can pray for you. Man, something will shift. She can move you into the next season. Man, there's some incredible people here. Hey, just so you guys know, this is the first time Charlie and I have done this together. It's our first trip together, so this is this is new for us. And, and we're taking we're taking risks to hear from the Lord that are very new for us as well. Um, this guy back here, you put your hand up just in the black shirt, you know? Yeah. I looked out and I felt like the Lord said you're a David. And and specifically like, you know, here's the prophet that shows up and he's looking for the next man of God. And uh, and he finds like all the older brothers. David doesn't even get invited to the party. And there's this sense that David's kind of lost in the field, but the Lord sees him in the field. I thought like the Lord sees you in the field. And I felt like the call of God's coming upon your life. And that the, the, the Lord, like and even as you're kind of in the back there, like a David, I feel like what God's actually purpose for your life, like the giants that you will kill in your life, is beyond anything you've imagined. But he's, he's calling you in a season where, where maybe you haven't felt like he, he's seen you. And I felt the Lord saying, no, I, I choose you. I don't just see you, but I choose you. And, uh, and there's people around you that could do it better. There's people around you that probably know the Lord more, that could preach better, could lead better. But the Lord's like, I'm not looking for any of that. I see your heart. So I feel like there's the Lord sees your heart and the call of God's coming to you. And he's like, listen, I'm not... You know, and I will, I will equip you to do everything that I've called you to do. So just say yes. Just say yes. What's your name? Actually, feel 
the word of the Lord, like, like breathe down your neck. Like you feel Father God standing behind you saying, go for it. That word of the Lord that he's spoken that will never end. And, and, uh, and, and he'll never force it on us, but he will. He'll speak and then he'll, he'll go before the word and invite us into it. So I just pray for the courage. That's it. I pray for the courage right now to step into that. Stop making excuses to believe what God says about you is true. And to, to wake up tomorrow and go, I'm going to step into that. I'm going to step beyond fear. Fear is just a lie. I'm going to step beyond shame. I'm going to, I'm going to step. I'm going to march like Joshua. I'm going to march into that moment no matter how long it takes. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. I want to pray for those that, that sense that you might have to go back. Like you're looking, you're looking at last year, or that relationship, or you're, you're dating, and you feel like there's something you missed. Like, like some of you, you need to maybe go back and face some things, like some orphan places, some lies, and there's a sense of like, I can't go forward until I deal with some things. And sometimes that takes turning around and going, God, what did I, what did I miss? Can, can you help? Can you help me there? If that's you, put your hand up. I'm going to pray for you. God, I pray for those that, that... Now, I realize that, like, God doesn't... I'm not talking about, like, reliving your past. But I'm but I talking about uh, um, asking the Lord to redeem and restore and speak into things that maybe you, you didn't allow Him to in that season. You're, maybe that chapter that made no sense, that thing that happened to you as a kid, that, that relationship that... You're looking back and you're like, I don't know what that was. And you're saying, God, would you... I want to get at your speed, and I, I, I need you to begin to help me make sense of my story in some ways. So Holy Spirit, I ask for the courage to meet us in that place, to slow down. That's what it is, to slow down. Some of you need to speed up, but some of you guys need to slow down and go, God, I, I need to hear again. Holy Spirit, lead us. So we're, we're just going to pray, and uh, tomorrow, 1 o'clock, next session, and, and Nate, you're just, what, what are you going to share on? Just give us that. Uh, I share what you share. What you said is so good. Uh, just tomorrow, we're going to talk about vision, and the heart of it is that, um, that if we don't see what God's doing, we won't do what God's doing. So we're going to talk about vision and seeing the visionaries are the ones that actually see God and what he's doing. How do you see God and do what he's doing? And some of us, we feel God, but feeling God is not enough. And uh, we need vision. So 